Coming in hot, 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 Lisa shares her financial tips and strategies to build wealth, have fun with finances, and be debt-free without having a restrictive budget. From bankrupt to millionaire, Lisa knows what it's like to feel as if you're living paycheck to paycheck. Her unconventional money multiplier system is the very wealth protocol that enabled her to retire two and a half years early, pay down $100,000 of debt in six months, and move to her dream home at the beach. Coming in hot, 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 Lisa shares her financial tips and strategies to build wealth, have fun with finances, and be debt-free without having a restrictive budget. From bankrupt to millionaire, Lisa knows what it's like to feel as if you're living paycheck to paycheck. Her unconventional money multiplier system is the very wealth protocol that enabled her to retire two and a half years early, pay down $100,000 of debt in six months, and move to her dream home at the beach. Hey, 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 welcome back to this episode of I Date Money. I'm your hostess, Lisa Drennan, and today we have the most amazing Liz DeFinis with us. She is part of the Wonder World team, but most importantly, she is inspiring high-achieving moms, manifest meaningful memories without sacrificing their career goals using Reiki-aligned psychology. So I'm going to challenge you, like I always do, to say this really, really fast, manifest meaningful memories. Shoot me a text and let me know how many times you can say that. <laughs> I love all the M words, money management system, money multiplier system, like all the M words are, are something when you hear something over again, right? You're always like, wait a minute. Manifestation has been a word that I like to play with because so many people believe that when you manifest, you get right? And I'm like, well, you get if you take action. Like, that's my attitude. <laughs> you can't just manifest, right? So what's your take on that? First of all, I like to just thank you so much for sharing this space and time with us. And I always like to go right into it. What's your take on manifestation? I know you work in this realm a lot. So just, just share with my audience, what do you actually mean by manifesting? And can we manifest a million dollars? Will it poof? show up in my family room today. <laughs> uh, yeah. So definitely, you know, manifestation is something that I've been marketing for a very long time. This is really where my roots started three years ago. I can remember doing my very first masterclass ever about manifestation. And even then I felt that feeling of like, can I really talk about this? Because I didn't really know for sure that it was real. <laughs> I was like, well, I don't know. And I felt like a little bit of imposter syndrome and being able to talk about it. But the truth is, you know, manifestation is exactly you're exactly right when you're saying like it comes from a place of taking action. And so it requires multi-levels, right? So like one of the very first steps to manifestation though, is knowing what it is that you want. And a lot of people are just afraid of saying what they really want, or they say what they want because they're like, well, I want a million dollars. And they say it and just kind of like, let it roll off the tongue. Like, well, who doesn't want it? Right. But they don't energetically actually want it, which is exactly why they don't receive it, why they don't have that in their life. And so manifestation is, is the combination of at being energetically at the frequency of being able to receive what we desire to have. And at the same time, following that up with tangible action steps to make it possible. I love that. I love how you just simplified it and put it in a way that's relatable. And, you know, the, we talk about the energetics. It took me forever to wrap my mind around energetics. And I was like, you know, it's this reciprocal energy of giving and receiving. And I'm like, what does that mean? And I was actually walking, I was taking a walk today. And I, I left my phone at home and I was walking my dog and I was like, I'm just going to be in the moment of now. And I'm just going to like hear and see 
what is present with me? You know, and I, I got to listen to beautiful birds singing and there was lawnmowers going on and ocean waves were, were lapping in the background. And it was just so beautiful to be in that moment of now. And I was walking, I was thinking, this is energetics. Just being in that moment and feeling, you know, that power, like my heart would race when I heard a bird singing or like, you know, when you're walking, like I was walking in this path and it's kind of like a little secluded path that you take to cut to the beach from our neighborhood. And I heard a rustle behind me and I was just like, oh, what was that? <laughs> you know? And my heart kind of jumped out. It was a rabbit. <laughs> an alligator. <laughs> it could have been an alligator, but it really could have. <laughs> could have been. Yeah. But it was so amazing to be totally aware of that. You know, and when I think about you know, the money stories that we tell ourselves, like going back to little Liz, the littlest Liz that you can remember, what's your first experience with money? Yeah. You know, it's an interesting thing. I, I don't know that I have, like, I feel like there's probably earlier memories, right? Like when I think back to it, I'm like, well, no, that's not it. That's not it. There's one before that. But one thing that I can like really remember, like I have two things that I, I remember about money. One being very much, I think about my grandparents, right? And I can think about my dad's parents and my mom's parents. And my dad's parents just had more money than my mom's parents, like in general, right? Like it was just a thing. And like for Easter, they would always fill eggs with coins. And so you would make money. And at my mom's parents, we dyed real eggs and those were the eggs that we would go and find. And so it was interesting because when I was younger, I had that like, oh, like money, <laughs> like, and I wanted the money, right? And then like, as I got older, I grew to really love the traditional side of like real eggs and like the different wholesome feel like those houses when I would go to visit felt very different. The energy of the houses were very different, like hundred percent different. And so it was like being in that space of being able to read that, understand that, feel that. And like, as I got older, I could recognize the difference. My other memory about money that had, it's like a weird, you know, you just have those random memories that like stick out in your mind. You're like, why is that even there? Like, (laughs) where'd that come from? (laughs) So strange. But I always think of this time I was probably about 10 ish, I think around like fifth grade. And I, my dad was home and I was like, Hey, like, I'm going to walk down to the store. Like, you know, I was walking to like the gas station. I was like, I'm going to walk down the store and get a candy bar. And he was like, well, do you want me to give you a ride? And like, it was, wasn't really about the money. It was about the autonomy. Like I got 50, 50 cents. I found (laughs) cents of my own, like in my piggy bank. And I took 50 cents and I was going to walk myself to the store and I was going to pick out what I wanted. And I was going to buy it by myself. And I was going to walk home. Like, and it was like this autonomy that came with it. Right. And so it was like kind of about the money, but it was also about the representation of like, I have money in my piggy bank that I can take out and then I can do whatever I want with that, including take myself somewhere and go and do what I want to do. And there was just like that, like empowering moment, you know, as a kid. Yeah. Claim that independence, girl. (laughs) Like, no, I don't want your ride. I'm big enough to do it myself. (laughs) Yes. And I love, I love the 50 cents in your piggy bank. Like, were you technically supposed to touch that? Probably not. <laughs> like, what was it doing in your piggy bank if you were able to spend it? <laughs> Very true. Probably was not. And I, you know, I don't really remember why, like what I did with any of that money that was in there, any of those things. I, I remember loving to like dump it out and like, I would, I would exchange it at the bank every once in a while, right? Like getting to roll it up. I used to love doing like the rolls and yeah. getting- kick them in and 
and exchange them for money. I remember doing that, but I don't really remember like what any of that like amounted to, you know, like, well, like what did I spend that on? Like when I got my $10, like, what did I do with it? I have no idea. Right. You know? Yeah. So would you say you didn't pay much attention to the relationship with money when you were a kid? I developed awareness around money when it came to like my friends. So I would say like, no, I didn't have a lot of awareness around money, but I knew that my parents, like when it would come to like go back to school time or like Christmas time, I could recognize like my parents would spend like $500 on each of us for new school clothes. And I remember like talking about this with like my friend one day. And like, I said something about like, oh yeah, like my parents, like get, like we get to spend $500 like every year. And my friend was like, really? Like they were like, kind of like taken aback by it. And I was like, well, yeah. And it's like, no big deal, you know, like, and I just had that like no big deal attitude about it. And I just always thought that was interesting. You know, like I didn't really notice it much, but at the same time, I was the type of person that very much like I valued making like my own money. So even though like I wasn't necessarily taught that model that as far as like they would freely spend money on me and I didn't need anything, like I had everything I wanted. I didn't, that wasn't good enough for me. I wanted to make my own money. And so I was only like, I was like 12 and 13, like getting working papers to be able to work like well before you're even supposed to work, getting a job. I got a job super young. And the first job I got was like a restaurant startup. And so we actually had to like clean the whole thing, like top to bottom. It had been a previous restaurant and they were just opening. So before I was actually working in my position, I was working like scrubbing the place down, like elbow grease, you know, and I loved it because I was earning a paycheck. Yeah. And to earn a paycheck at such a young age, I mean, talk about, you know, one of the archetypes on the money dating game on my website, idatemoney.com is money is Maverick, the moneymaker. So here you are at this young age, like, you know, you, you got the 50 cents, like, I'm wanting to spend this money. And then you have this drive to, you know, your independence drives you to making money. So when you started having this desire to make money, how did that transition into like creating a healthy relationship with money and saying to money, like, you know, a lot of people don't talk about like, oh, let's just budget our money and we'll be good and we'll save for the rainy day and this and that. But we don't really talk about that relationship aspect of money. You know, and I dating, I date money is all about like once you can, and I don't want to say heal your relationship with money, but once you can get to understand your relationship with money, you get to multiply the money you already have. And a lot of us have this hustling idea of, oh, I need to go out and make more money because when I get more money, but in actuality, if you don't know what to do with a thousand dollars, you're not going to know to do what to do with ten thousand dollars. So, where was it? Do you remember that transition that you had? Like, I'm working, I have this money. I mean, were you? What were you told about? Like, what you have to do with this money? How did you manage it? I wasn't. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> I, didn't, um, I didn't really ever have any guidance on any of that, to be really honest. And I know that I got like my first credit card I got was like, it, it was connected to being like a high school student. It was like a high school student credit card. It was like, it was from who's who among American students. It was like, a, like if you had good grades, you got accepted into the thing, whatever. And then I was offered this credit card as a part of that. Right. And I remember getting that. Um, and my mom said about getting it to build my credit, that it would be a good idea to have this. And that like, you know, it's something where I could just put $20 on, you know, on gas in it every month. And it would just build my credit to do that and then pay it. And I didn't really use it. And I went out on my own, got my own apartment when I was in college. I worked all through college where most of, most of my friends in college didn't work. I chose to work almost full time. I was usually 30 hours a week as a home health aide. So a very like strenuous job. Like I loved what I did and I got my own apartment, paid my own bills in the apartment and all of the things. I loved that part of me, but I was never really taught much 
much about budgeting money. That first apartment, I basically just taught myself. Like I sat down, I wrote down all my bills and I was like, okay, like I know that these are my bills. So I know that if I make $10 an hour, which is what I was making, like I need to work this many hours to be able to pay pay this, you know, and I was able to work through a lot of that for myself, but that was probably my first time really like looking at this is what comes in and this is what goes out and like, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. And when you created those expenses, was one of your expenses saving money for you for your future? For sure not. I was definitely in college. And so the goal at that point was really like, get through college, you know? And the answer was always, once I get through college, I'll have all the money and it won't matter. <laughs> we all know that that's not exactly how that works. <laughs> nope. That doesn't work that way. <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> I always like to say like, you know, the, the younger you are, the more knowledge you have around this, like when we create that money management system, we can incorporate that system throughout our life. And as the money grows, when we implement that same system, that same strategy, that's where we also get to multiply our money. So when did you realize the importance of saving for the rainy day, the emergency fund? Yeah. So, you know, my husband and I have experienced a lot of things in our time together. So we met in 2012. We got married in 2013. We also had a baby in 2013. And so from the time we met, it's just kind of been a little bit of a whirlwind. When we met, like I was making enough money to like pay my bills. I was paying into a 401k, like all these different things. He he was working and I had this in my head that like I was making enough money to pay everything myself. So this is right before I met him. I bought a house by myself. I did all this stuff. I was making like big decisions at 26 by myself. Right. And I was like, when I meet somebody, it's going to be great because if I can pay all of this stuff by myself, then their money will just be bonus money. Mm-hmm. Once again, that's not how that works. <laughs> I told myself this story so many times. Like when this happens, this will happen with money. And like, that isn't how it works. And, you know, I mean, we met and then I ended up, you know, I was pregnant with my son and like, what happened was maternity leave, right? So a lot of money that I did have saved needed to be used to survive (laughs) basically on maternity leave, like continue to pay like the mortgage and all the things. But what happened when I had my son was the unexpected. So I ended up having massive medical complications. I ended up back in the hospital and I had to have like a life-saving surgery. I was septic. I almost died. Like all of these things happened. And I worked as an occupational therapist in a rehab hospital where I needed to lift patients. I needed to move patients. Like it was very heavy lifting. So I ended up out of work for seven months. And so I barely had enough money. I didn't even know if I could take 12 weeks off. I knew that we could pull off eight weeks. And I was like hoping that I would figure out the last four. And then I was out of work for seven months. And in that seven months, we moved our wedding up. Our wedding was supposed to be the next summer, but I was losing health insurance. I was going to lose my health insurance and I had health issues. And so even though my job was kind enough to hold the job for me at the 90 day mark, my, all my benefits cut off. So I lost my insurance. I lost everything. And so we moved our wedding up, planned it in 30 days. I have no idea how we pay for it. I literally have no idea how anything worked in that time frame. And we got married so that I could get onto his insurance and be able to have that coverage. So that's about the time when I learned, but I didn't really have time to ever recoup from that because I went back to work in the seven month mark and a month later found out I was pregnant with my other son. (laughs) And so it just never really fully turned around, you know, and at that point we went right into like daycare costs and all of that. Mm -hmm. And I ended up actually leaving that job. And that's when like money shifted a lot in my life because at that job, while I loved what I did, the pay was not 
great. Like I took that job knowing that the pay wasn't as good as it could be in other places, but I loved the experience. It was a type of job where you learned how to become an amazing OT. And I did do that, but the money I was making, which was approximately like take home like $1,300 every two weeks. So I made like 2,600 a month, but my mortgage was a thousand dollars. And once I had a second baby daycare was going to be $1,400 a month. Ouch. Add that up and you can't buy groceries. (laughs) So when I found out I was pregnant with my second son, I knew going back to that job wasn't going to be an option. And so that's when I started looking into, into other options, you know, and the other things that we could do where we could piece together part-time work and weekend work where we didn't maybe have to do daycare five days a week. But in all of this time, saving was never something that there was never money there to put that into, you know, I was doing the envelope system and really just paying cash for everything. And, you know, being in that space of, of making things work, but it was very scary to be quite yeah. honest. And how did that change for you? So you save money now, right? <laughs> I'm going to yeah. assume you save money now. <laughs> <laughs> I do. It, it changed. So we, I mean, we just, like I said, my husband and I went through so much in such a short period of time. I quit that job and went to, I became a contractor and worked on an army base. And this was my first like dipping my toe in entrepreneurship, which I had like never even heard of an OT doing this, but I ended up working for an OT who was contracted by the army base. And he was like telling me all these things about how he started his own business. And I was like, as an OT, like what? Like, that's crazy. I was like, that's so exciting for me. And like, it was the first time I had ever heard of that kind of concept. So I was working there but I was working part-time and then working weekend hours to make sure that we were bringing in the same amount of money, but I was paying less for daycare and spending a little more time with the kids, which I love. But we did that for a couple months and then my husband lost his job. Oh, wow. You can imagine in the financial situation that we were in, that was like, that was not going to work. And so, you know, he was trying to find work and I tried to find full-time work, but there wasn't anything at the time where we lived. It was like, for me to find full-time work, they were offering 30 hours a week and I was already working 30 hours a week. And I was like, okay, that's, not helpful. So like there was no real answer that was apparent. And this was one of those first stories where you start to like, listen to the universe manifestation, right? We had actually, we had saved money and went on a Disney trip because we went before, well, we didn't have to pay for the kids, right? Like they were young enough that they were free. And we're like, this is the best time to go because we didn't know how we would afford to pay for four of us to go. So when we could afford to go for two people and bring them for free, that was great. So we stayed, we went on this Disney trip. We were like, we were like on Disney high, you know, we were like all excited and in the magic and we came home and we got home and he literally lost his job the next week. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, what are we going to do? And while we were at Disney, the strangest thing happened. We loved it so much. You know, we loved Florida. I know you know this. We loved Florida. It was warm. (laughs) It was so pretty. And I got this email about this contract position that I could, I could apply to down in Florida. And I was like, just lived here. That's crazy. (laughs) Like I grew up in Pennsylvania. Like that was crazy. But I sent them an email and inquired about it while I was in Florida, thinking nothing would come of this only to find out that five days later, he would lose his job. And um, we ended up moving to Florida and I had better job opportunities and, you know, he had better job opportunities. And that's when things started to kind of turn around and we let ourselves out of the, the bucket of like, do what's always been done, do what you're told Mm -hmm. to do, right? We allowed ourselves, even though like not everyone supported us moving from Pennsylvania to Florida, like I knew in my heart, it was the right thing for us. And I listened to that intuitive pull when I applied for that job, right? It was like, go do this. This is the thing. When I applied for that job, their job offer was actually double what Dan and I were making together in Pennsylvania. Oh, wow. That's beautiful. Yeah. And that's when things 
shifted, you know, we had opportunities. Yeah. I love that. And it's so many changes at once you had like, you know, two major, three major life changes in less than three years, <laughs> marriage, you know, mortgage, marriage, move <laughs> kids, yeah. you know, that's huge. And the, the, the toll that it takes on your, like the thought processes you have and that I can just imagine I was getting chills as you were saying that, like you experienced this, this trip. And then all of a sudden he lost his job and, you know, knowing that you were looking for work and it just wasn't really what you needed at that time and going through that worries. And so this whole time you're literally living check to check. Yeah. It was and then you, not good. <laughs> yeah. And not good. And then you put this move on top of it. Yeah. Let's move to Florida. <laughs> but I love that you listen to your intuition and you're like, okay. And it, that was probably really scary. Can you tell us about that? Like that transition for you? Yeah. I remember, you know, the job offer coming in and they asked me what, like I wanted to be paid. And I had told them 70 to 80, which already felt like an insane number to say, because I mean, I had only ever made 50 as an OT, like, and that was like the top, you know? And I was like, for us to move there, for this to make sense, it has to be 70 to 80. And they came in with a job offer at 86. Wow. And I was like, what? Like, I remember seeing the number and I was like, that's crazy. But then we had the moving expenses and you mentioned that. And it's like, how do you add in a move? You know? And I like started to do some digging into the cost of moving and it was going to be like $10,000. And I was like, how would we ever make that work? I told him, I told my husband, I said, I'm going to have to ask them if they can help us with moving expenses. If they can give me like a sign on bonus or like, what can we arrange here that will like give me what we need to be able to get there. And so I told them, I was like, I want this job. I am ready to accept this position. I'm so honored and so excited to jump in. And also like, I've done some research on this and like, getting there is going to be a problem. And I was like, is there, is there anything you can offer? Like sign up bonus to help pay for this. And Dan was like, don't do it. Like they're going to take the job offer away. And I was like, I need to at least ask this question. They mm -hmm. paid for our entire move. Wow. Every penny. I didn't pay for a thing. They got, they have like corporate moving company that they work with and they just brought them in and they paid for everything to be moved. We'll talk about meant to be yeah. <laughs> and manifesting the perfect job. I mean, that's amazing. Yeah. And covering everything and, and taking care of all the boxes and all that great stuff, all the details. That's yeah. amazing. So when you when you realize that like money can work for you and your job and your what you wanted to do, what you love to do, I mean, you still you arrange it so that you could someone, one of you, one of you would be home with the kids. So you didn't have that expense of the, the child care. Is that correct? And yeah. then you were able to do what you love to do. How did that change your relationship with money? Did you start to see money like, oh, well, maybe this, maybe we need to focus on money relationship here because what if this happens again? We need to be prepared for it in the future. So how did that shift for you? Yeah. So starting an entrepreneurship was a little scary for me because, you know, I, I lived my whole life thinking that like things had to be a certain way. I need to like have this kind of job and save for the 401k and like all of these things have to be a certain way. And it was scary to step into a world that was like a little bit different than that. You know, it wasn't as calculated. It wasn't the guaranteed monthly income like you do when you're like salary out of place, you know? And so it was a little scary to go into all of that. I actually worked with a coach when I'm trying to think I started in entrepreneurship. It was like three years ago, 2020. I worked with this coach in January time of 2021. So about six months into entrepreneurship. I didn't know you then, or I probably would have worked with you, <laughs> <laughs> but I worked with her a lot. And like, we talked a lot about like budgeting and different things and like being aware of money coming in and money going out. And like, at the time I really wasn't really very aware of all of the things and we had just moved to North Carolina. So we had moved from Florida to North Carolina um, just recently because in, in all of our 
life, you know, all these things, these crazy things that have happened. We did have another major life moment when we had my daughter and she had the stroke because again, I had saved for maternity leave. I thought that like I had it figured out again. I knew I was going to be able to make it to week eight. I didn't know what would happen after that, but then she had the stroke and like, she couldn't even go to a daycare. They wouldn't accept her. She had seizures. Like they wouldn't accept that medical condition. So we were very like, what are we going to do? And we drained everything we had saved while she was in the hospital because it costs money to have a place to stay and to eat food. Like none of that was an expected cost while we were there. And so it's like, even when I thought I was planning ahead for things, the unexpected comes in and you're like, how do I do this? And so when we moved to North Carolina, we did this because we wanted to be closer to family in case we needed any support with her. Um, And so, you know, it it was a calculated, very like intentional decision. But once we got there, my husband couldn't find work. And that wasn't something we anticipated. I mean, he works at a bank. So it just seems like he was always going to just be able to find work, but he applied to these jobs and he just wasn't getting a job offer, which has never happened before when he's applied for jobs. And it just hit that moment one day where it was like, maybe this isn't how this is meant to be. You know, maybe, maybe you're not supposed to go back to work. Maybe we're supposed to find another way. And that's when I worked with that coach, really looked at the money coming in, really looked at the money going out. And I realized we could decide for him not to go back to a traditional nine to five job that we had the capability to make that decision. And so we made that decision and we did the things and we're still working on cleaning up finances from years ago. I mean, when Liza was in the hospital, you know, we definitely wrapped up debt and all these things that it's taking time to settle that all out, you know, but as we move down that path, it's allowing us to get to a place where we want to be, where we're living our life the way we want it to be, but also creating, you know, the financial freedom and stability and, you know, being financially smart, I guess is a good way to put it where like we're making decisions intentionally. Yeah. And definitely making decisions intentionally and having a system in place. Cause I know a lot of people who have medical debt. I've known people who filed bankruptcy because of medical debt. And as an independent insurance broker, I have to say, and working at social security for over 30 years, you don't have to go into debt for medical because there's so many ways. So anybody who's listening to this, take note, share it. When you have a medical expense that isn't covered by insurance, you know, you can actually put that on an interest-free loan. The hospitals, the doctor's offices will work with you. And a lot of times when you have a child who is in the hospital like that, there's a program called Supplemental Security Income that helps with a lot of those expenses. And they, they give a small amount of cash per month to help. And then there's organizations like the Ronald McDonald house that will help families with the, with housing and things like that. So they have a safe place to stay while they're caring for their child. And I know now a lot of the hospitals have actually rooms big enough where there's a cot for one parent to stay and they'll give them a food allowance and all of that. So I don't know if any of that was shared with you at the time. Uh, It was. Well, I mean, I think this is something more parents really need to hear. And this is something that like, I know like my bigger vision in in entrepreneurship is being able to help parents when they're going through something like this. Because for me, I mean, I even remember like the moment when she had the stroke and like they brought the life flight team in and the life flight team is standing there and they're giving me all these directions. And they're like, you need to apply to the Ronald McDonald house. Like sometimes it can take days to get in. And I'm looking at them thinking, Ronald McDonald house. That's like, that's for kids who have like cancer. Like we're not going to like, we don't need that. Like she's going to be fine. And like, I was in a lot of denial over the fact we needed to do that. And we did do it. Like I begrudgingly did it. So I was like, well, I mean, I guess I should do it because they told me to. And so I did apply, but 
there's so much happening in that time. And we um, didn't have those resources, you know, I mean, we did stay at Ronald McDonald house, but we had, we still paid to stay like I, and that's probably a money mindset thing that I hadn't worked through back then. But like, I felt a feeling staying totally for free. Like I felt like I needed to give them money towards it. And so I did, but it was money that I really shouldn't have been giving towards that. Cause I really didn't, had I had a budget and really looked at things and been making intentional decisions, I would have realized that wasn't the best place for that money because I didn't know our future with our daughter. Like I was spending money that I didn't have a futuristic look at that, but we didn't know anything about the other things that you talked about there. And those are things that would have been incredibly helpful to know because when you're in that situation, you're, you are not budgeting your money. Yeah. You are just trying to make it through the day. Yeah. Day to day is yeah. all you can do. And eating, you know, I had an infant, so I was trying to breastfeed. So it was very like, I have to eat to make milk. <laughs> so like, <laughs> you know, every time I eat, it's costing me money. I need to eat in order to be able to provide. And so it was like a lot of, a lot of things happening in that time, but yeah, I mean, getting to that space where we knew money was flowing. And I mean, part of how we got to where we are today with everything was going through that experience with her and getting to that place financially and being able to take a look at things and make different decisions. Yeah. And it is, it's, it's so trying. Like when I worked with families where their kids, you know, were born prematurely or, you know, ended up with a disability and, you know, they had the strokes and the different like heart diseases and things like that. Like you have no idea. And the stress, like they'd come and sit across from me at my desk and just cry because of the stressors. And, you know, even if they were both working, one parent can't work. They have, they want to be at the hospital. They want to be with the child. And then there's a lot of times there's other children that need to be cared for. So having that support and, and, and securing that and really just, you know, especially young parents, they won't really think about this. Like, oh, that's not going to happen to me. And when I look at it, it's just like, you have to plan for the, the the possibilities. And I guess just because I was exposed for it for so long, I just think it's natural. Like, this is what we do. We get insurance. We, you know, we, we make plans. We have that network. We have that support team. So in case something does happen, in that pan- you're not panicking and you're, you take it. And I find that when our finances are in order, it puts everything else in order. And like a lot of times people will say, well, I can't afford to do that because we're living check to check. And I totally get that, but it's your intention. That's where the manifestation, that's where the purpose planning comes in. It's like every single time you get a dollar, right? Any kind of income you get, when you have a purpose for it and you say, okay, this is what I want to do with it. You're going to do it. You're going to create that money envelope system. And I like to call them money buckets now. Like every envelope has a bucket. And there's a couple banks out there where you can actually have like a the main bank account and then it creates buckets for right. you. And I love it. it I love that it. too. I wish I yeah. would have had back when I was doing it because I I know it's like, so much fun. Version of this. I colored all the envelopes and like made pretty designs on them. And I, I made it as fun as I could, but it would have been really nice to be able to put the money in the bank <laughs> instead of well, having- yeah, and earn that interest. Like a lot of the accounts are earning 4% interest. So your money's having babies and then they're having babies <laughs> and it's just such a beautiful thing. And what I say is like, you know, we all like most people have health insurance, but a lot of times health insurance doesn't cover what you need it to cover. And we miss that. And then we caught this attitude towards money. It's like, what do you mean? This is the copay or the co-insurance and having that, like you're either going to pay every month, a lot of money for insurance, or you're going to pay when the thing occurs. I had three unexpected surgeries in 2000 and 2021. I had no idea that I was having these surgeries, right? The one surgery was $50,000. And I was like, oh, I am so glad I have insurance. I don't have to pay for that. 
And, you know, some things aren't an option. So just really protecting yourself and thinking about about that for your future. So when you think about money and you think about all the the ups and downs, the roller coaster ride that you've gone on with money, what is your best money tip? Like, what is it? If you could wave a magic wand, you know, and, and clear all the energy, what would you have done differently in your money pattern that would have helped multiply your money today? I think being aware of the thing that you don't want to look at, right? So, you know, I spent a lot of time not wanting to really look at what was coming in and what was going out because I was really, I was afraid of what I was going to see. And I mean, I think I know what I was going to see. And so I chose not to look at it, but it's like, when you have it in your mind that you're living paycheck to paycheck, it's acknowledging that, and this isn't going to go over well, I'm sure and listening to it, but there's a choice in that. There is some level and it's easy to look at it and say like, well, no, like there was no choice. Like my mortgage was this and, you know, this bill is that, and this is what I have coming in. But the truth is, if you really look at it, there could be choices that that are made differently. And like, for me, that was what led to the decision to move to Florida. You know, it was like, I looked at my husband and I said, we can stay here and we can make this work. Like it'll work, but Mm -hmm. we're never going to be able to do anything with the kids like this. We're not going to have, that's never going to happen. We get to choose to make different decisions. And it wasn't easy. I mean, I owned that house. I bought the house by myself. It was like a little bit of my baby, you know, and I had to make the choice of selling the house of, you know, making a different choice, moving across the country. And I made those choices based on the fact that I knew that it could feel different when it came to money. And I chose that over where I was in. And so a lot of times paycheck to paycheck, it's in hidden in the choices that you're making. And some of those choices we're not willing to look at. And when we get willing to look at that and really pull it apart and take that leap of faith and say like, you know what, this will work. I, I want it to work. I have that desire. And, you know, we talk about the mindset and, you know, when you set your mind to doing something, you get it done. You can't help but get it done because you set that intention and you're like, no, this is going to work. I'm going to make it work and I'm going to do all the things, you know? And of course, along the line, we tell ourselves those stories like, oh, maybe it's not. And just conquering that doubt and just saying like, no, this is what I'm going to do. And like a lot of the people listening, a lot of audience, but I have unpredictable income. I don't, you know, I live on commissions and, you know, I might have a good month and then I have a bad month and I have all this debt because I've invested in coaching programs. What would you say to them? I mean, I would say it's still a choice. It's still a choice each and every day. You know, I mean, this, this month I lost a residual income of $4,000 a month. And so as that ended, you know, it's like, oh my gosh, like the, you know, decisions were made with knowing that I had that coming in and different things. And so now I get to decide where I'm going to put that energy. And so I can put that energy into how that's going to change everything and how we're going to have to, you know, tighten everything up and be so afraid of everything. And to be totally honest, I definitely spent three weeks in that energy for sure. And I didn't make any sales. I didn't bring in any commissions. And since I've shifted from that, I'm having more sales calls. I'm having people reach out after sales calls to like work on the next limiting belief to be able to to get into it. So it's not a not yet, but it's a yes. You know, I'm having people reach out and I'm helping them shift through those things. And just today I got on a call and higher self was like, you should offer them one-on-one, just offer one-on-one. I offered one-on-one, boom, close the client, $500. So it's like allowing the space for the fact that it can be that easy and when we allow it to be. And so it's, it is still a choice. If we believe that we have ebbs and flows in our income with commissions, we will have ebbs and flows. If we believe that we abundantly are receiving, we will abundantly receive. And also at the same time, 
as somebody who, who does is commission-based, you know, when we are making money based on commission, it's planning for that. It's mm-hmm. knowing that we don't look at this month to month. You should never be, if you're a commission-based person, you shouldn't be looking at month to month bills. You need to be looking at quarterly or like, you know, annually on these bigger visions of like, you know, if I close, if I make $10,000 and then I make $2,000 and I make $20,000, that that $2,000 should be covered because you know that you're having other months that fluctuate and that if you're using money wisely, if you're really being in that space and you're abundantly believing more is coming in, those lower months are intended to be that way because you're giving yourself space to rest, space to deliver to people or whatever it might be, depending on the commission-based income. But there's a lot of interesting ways to kind of look at that, but it all comes down to mindset and how you're looking at the money flow in and out. Yeah. And that's so important because a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, believe that when they have consistent months, that's when they can make a move. That's when they can hire a wealth activator like myself. That's when they can do A, B, and C. And it's like, well, what are you doing with your money now? Well, I take it and I pay off debt. No, no, you have to implement a system that's going to work to multiply your money while you're enjoying it, while you're having, you know, you're increasing your revenue while you're multiplying money and you're giving, you know, you're giving back to the community and that creating that reciprocal energy. So let's talk about what you do. Like you're helping high achieving moms manifest meaningful memories. Tell us more about that. Yeah. So, I mean, it's really about moms who are high achievers. They're ready to like, they want to crush it in their career. You know, they want to have that business that they're pulling in six figures. They, you know, want to climb the corporate ladder and like really excel at what they do. Like they're choosing to be in that space of saying I'm a go-getter and they've always been a go-getter, but they have kids also. And so a lot of times in the world where it's like, you can't have it all, like you can't have both sides of that, but that's really just a story we tell ourselves. Right. And so it's creating that space for recognizing that you can both have those meaningful memories. You can manifest the space and the time and the energy and all of the things over there to have those memories while still having an incredible career by being able to, whatever your goals are, whatever those big goals are that you have, you can still go all in on those. And it's being able to to marry both of those. And it's really from a place of alignment. It's being able to align with who you truly are, what you truly want, and making decisions each and every day aligned with getting you there and being able to shift the patterns that happen along the way as well. Oh, that's beautiful. I love that. What's the best way for our audience to connect with you? Yeah. So I would say definitely booking a call. I'll hand over a link so you have all the things. I love getting on calls and talking to moms about this and being able to see like where they are, what their goals are, what they want to do, how many kids they have. I love to find out all about the kids and see what that is. You know, what is the thing that they really want to manifest and dig into a little bit of what it is that, that what if that holds them back and how we can shift that. So that it becomes something that becomes a superpower in getting them to where they want to be. Yeah, so much needed. I love that because a lot of moms are struggling to juggle all of these things. And there's that mom guilt of, oh, I have to leave my kids. And, you know, then sometimes they overextend like working all day and then coming home, cooking dinner and then running off to like the sports and the dance and, you know, really spreading themselves at the end of the day. There's like no time for themselves and being aligned to take that me time. I mean, my youngest was 14 when I was like, I need me time. <laughs> like, can, can I fit this in somewhere? <laughs> three kids, a dog, a full-time job, three side gigs. It's like, yeah, I need, I need some me time. And when I started taking me time, it, it completely shifted my attitude and I became a better, a better mom because of it and a better wife because of it. You know, because I was taking care of me, you know, and it's the same thing with our finances. When we take care of our 
finances, we have that relationship with money and we're partnering with money. We go from ghosting money to, you know, marrying money and saying, okay, let's do this thing and setting that intention. Just like you said, it's, it's a choice. What words of wisdom can you share with our audience? I think being aware of the way that we think and feel about, I'm going to say the word everything. And I mean this in that you get to decide what the thing is that you're looking at. How do you think and feel about being a mom? How do you think and feel about the job that you work? How do you think and feel about money? How do you think and feel about your relationships? Maybe one in particular, you know, with your kids or with your spouse or with your parents, how you think and feel is guiding everything in your life. So really choosing and looking at that, what's that thing for you and looking at it wholeheartedly. Don't hide from it. Allow yourself to see it for what it is, because that is the answer to true change. A lot of people look around their life and say, I wish things could be different. And this stuff always happens to me, you know, it's like the unexpected always happens. Like every time I think I have a little bit of money, then something unexpected comes up and I have to spend it on this thing, mm-hmm. knowing that that's happening because it is an energetic alignment to happen, but it doesn't have to be. And there's a way to shift that. And it comes first from awareness of thoughts and feelings around different things. The power of thoughts are our best tool. And when we can connect those thoughts with those feelings, we get to take the action we love. And I love that you're in the Reiki field. I do aromatherapy and I know your field is it's very different than aromatherapy, but so powerful in aligning those energies. So it's such a beautiful practice. Thank you so much, Liz, for sharing your, your time, your energy with us and your expertise. And for those of you listening, check the show notes, connect with Liz. And when you join the Facebook group, Money Magnets, Wealthy Women, Sovereign Souls, you get to see Liz and connect with her. We'll be featuring this story in that group where you can connect and ask questions. Hop on a call, book a call, see if what she has to offer is for you. And if you know anyone that would like to hear this episode, please share it and be sure to give us a five-star rating, review it. And we really appreciate that just spreading the word about falling head over heels in love with money. And remember, It doesn't matter how much money you make. It's what you do with it. Hey, hey, thanks for tuning in. Be sure to rate the show. Give us some love. We would love your review. And remember, it doesn't matter how much money you make. It's what you do with it. And some words of advice, pay yourself first. Are you ready to partner with money? Go check out the money dating game at idatemoney.com and choose your partner. We hope you always get the date you want. Hey, hey, hey. Thanks for tuning into the show. Give us a five-star review and share it with your friends. Get ready to activate wealth. Be the next millionaire with a simple adjustment of your finances using an energetically aligned money multiplier system. You get to build wealth by partnering with money. It's time to have fun with finances. Pick a date. The link is in the show notes to book your wealth activation call where you will get the one solution to multiply your money. Remember, it doesn't matter how much money you make. It's what you do with it.